Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of Voo Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. If you've got a Bible, we're continuing today uh, a collection of talks that we started last week. Mark chapter 14 is where I want you to turn. And last week we kicked off this this mini collection in this big collection. We have been studying the Gospel of Mark since January, and we are coming to an end as we move into June. This is our last mini collection in the big collection. And I'm just proud of our church as we're leaning into God's Word. We're not looking for something uh, cliche. We're not looking for something that's just kind of stylish or cool. We're looking for something concrete. In God's Word, it stands the test of time, and so we're putting our trust in that thing. We're putting our faith in what he has said and what he has done. And as we've studied the Gospel of Mark, we've been watching Jesus in action. If you're new to our church, uh, this is a church that has one message, his name is Jesus. And we're not just listening to what he says, we're watching what he does. And as we finish this last collection, we titled it last week, On the Money. Everyone say, On the Money. And this expression, it means accurate, or it means precise, it means correct. And as you listen to Jesus' words and as you watch his life, everything he says and does is always on the money. And many times he he speaks right to our heart and right to our soul and it pierces us and it challenges us. And I wanna pick up really where we left off last week. We told the story of Mary and her alabaster box from Mark 14. And let's just look at Mark 14, verse 10 for a moment. It says this, it says, then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. The him here is Jesus. He looks for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Today, I want to continue part two of our collection. I want to preach from the subject, don't sell your soul. Don't, don't sell your soul. Don't sell your soul. And uh, I love the words of Jesus over and over again. Thank you, Federico, you're the best. I love his words because uh, when he speaks, we know that his words pierce. The Bible says in Hebrews that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the, ha- the heart through its, its attitudes and through its thoughts. And so we know that God's word does that. That's what preaching is about. It's about giving God's word and letting God's word do the work. But we know that Jesus Christ, according to John chapter one, that he is the word made flesh. Meaning that everything that he says and everything that comes out of his mouth Often it feels like a sword, or I think about the idea of a scalpel that's doing surgery from the inside out. Nobody is thankful while they're in surgery. They're only thankful after surgery. And many times when you're really following Jesus, the words that he says, as you hear them, they don't always make you say amen, but as you apply them, you find yourself celebrating on the other side. And this whole idea of of on the money, we're really basing this collection off of Mark chapter 12, this one passage of scripture where they came and they asked Jesus, hey, what is the greatest commandment ever? 
And many of you who've grown up in church, you know the response. Others of you that are new to church, this is what Jesus says. He says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's an on-the-money answer. He's telling you precisely about what it is that God wants from you and what he wants from me. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. So loving God is seen in our obedience to God. It's not enough just to say it. It's not enough just to go to church. No, no, it's actually about obeying him, not just in the good times, but come on, obedience is really revealed in the difficult times. He says, obey me. Well, where do I start? You start with the greatest commandment. I wanna love God with every part of who I am. And so for four weeks, we're wanting to break down these four words, all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to do it, we wanna look at case studies. We wanna look at stories from the gospel of Mark that gives us a picture or an example of what this type of love looks like. Now, what's interesting is every one of these stories that we're pointing to, they all have to do with this word money. And so last week we talked about loving God with all of our heart. And so we studied Mary and her alabaster box that she came and she poured her treasure upon Jesus. Jesus' own word says that where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Some of us, maybe we heard that message last week and we got offended. We're like, oh, this is the church. They're just trying to get my money. No, 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 you're missing it. How many know if Jesus deserves it all, the question is, does he have any of it at all? I mean, if he deserves all of it, it's just a simple heart check to say, does he have any of it? We are never trying to get something from you at Voo Church. What I am constantly doing as we're pastoring our community is we're trying to unlock something inside of you that you would say, I would go deeper with God, that I would know him in a deeper way, in a fresh way. I don't just want to love God in the way that I want to be loved. I want to love God in the way that he wants to be loved. And he says, I want your whole entire heart. Come on, somebody. That's what he wants. The second word that we start to examine today is this word soul. Now, all four of these words, if we're really being honest, they can get kind of convoluted and tricky because you can find commentary and theologians and scholars that teach on heart, soul, mind, strength, and spirit. And the reason why it gets a little bit convoluted is because all four of these words overlap. But as they overlap, they also have distinct qualities to them. When you speak about the heart, many times it speaks about your behaviors, your emotions, your willpower. Today, this word is the word soul. And I love how Dallas Willard, the great theologian, this is what he says about the soul. He says, your soul is the most important thing about you. It is your life. Someone say, it is my life. The soul is the only thing that is with you here on this earth that will be with you in the afterlife. It's the thing that brings life to your physical body and it's the only thing that will leave your physical body. I like how C.S. Lewis said, he said, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. How many know a lot of us spend more time on this body that is growing old, that is getting tired, that gravity is fighting against than we ever do on our soul? But you don't have a soul. You, you are a soul. It is the essential you. It is everything real about you. It is the very essence of who you are. We don't talk about it very much and we don't think about it very much. We spend more time in the gym or more time getting work done than we ever do addressing the condition of our soul. I have a body, but this body is decaying and this body is dying. I wanna make sure that I'm not just loving God 
with my heart, but I'm also going to the point that's saying, God, I wanna love you with my entire being, the essential self. I give all of who I am over to you. And when I think about this word soul, I am reminded of maybe the most on the money, challenging, kind of scary statement that Jesus ever made. Mark chapter eight, verse 36. This is what Jesus Christ says. And I think this is fitting in 2021. He says, what good is it for a man to gain? Someone say gain. For a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul. Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? What good is it for you to gain the entire world but forfeit the essence, the essential you? It's called gaining and forfeiting. And we're always gaining and forfeiting. And Jesus says, please don't make the mistake of gaining the world but forfeiting your soul. I remember when I first moved to Miami after we were in school in Tennessee, my wife and I had moved back down. We were serving at a church in North Miami for my my dad. And it was Dontree's first experience with Miami. And... um, we were living in this loft. And I think the first month we were here, uh, I have been driving since I was 17 years of age, a Jeep Wrangler, 2001, holler at your boy. It's a soft top, matte black, not a big deal. But um, I remember it was our first month and we're parked outside of our apartment building and we wake up the next morning. We wake up the next morning, somebody had smashed our windows in and had broken into the car. How many know, welcome to Miami, right? I was like, get ready, babe. Here we go. This is going to be the story of our life. This is Miami. And I thought, honestly, when I saw it, I was like, how mean is that? Like, you could have unzipped the back windows. (laughs) Like, you're a mean person, bro. You didn't have to bash the windows in. And it made us laugh because really the only thing they got out of that Jeep Wrangler was, um, remember those Garmin GPS systems? I don't know if those even exist anymore, but it was, on the, it was on the windshield. And then all I had back then was a bunch of like Christian worship CDs, you know? So whoever you are, I, sh- I hope you found your way with the GPS <laughs> and the worship music. Let that be a blessing to you. <laughs> Let it be a blessing. And I was just thinking this past week, remembering that that moment that we were robbed. How many know the only thing worse than a thief is a repetitive thief? The scripture says, and not just the scripture, it's Jesus' words in John chapter 10. He says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy you. I just want to wake up our church a little bit today and remind you that you are in a battle for your soul. And there is this thing called the devil and dark forces that are waging war against you every day. And it's not a game, it is a fight. And he wants to not just rob from you, but he wants to kill you and he wants to destroy you. And he will not give up and he will not quit until he drags you and everyone around you into his dark lair known as hell. He's after your soul. And what the body of Christ must wake up and recognize is, you know, fool me once, you know, shame on you, but fool me twice, shame on me. Because the enemy, what he does is his tactic is, let me make you believe that I am not a factor in your life. Let me make you believe that uh, I am just some wishful thinking and I am just some cartoon and you don't have to deal with me. I will say the only redeeming quality about the enemy is that he is consistent. 
He doesn't stop. He doesn't take breaks. Some of you are wondering right now, why is my marriage under so much pressure? Some of you are wondering, why do I wake up on Monday and I feel like quitting? Some of you are wondering, why this past week have I been so stressed out? Is it really just society or is there another battle that's taking place? It's the battle against your soul. And what I want to challenge some people today is some of us need to wake up and say, yo, am I fighting or am I forfeiting? Because a lot of us are acting like we're fighting, but in reality, we're just forfeiting. Forfeiting means to give up. It means to surrender. I don't know about you, but I would rather lose 10 times in a row before I ever forfeit the game. I'm not backing down and I'm not quitting. You're going to have to come and take it from me. I hate forfeiting. Just think about the idea of forfeiting. You didn't lose, you gave up. You didn't lose, you quit. Forfeiting is like biting your own tongue. How many hate when you bite your tongue? Because I bite my tongue and there ain't nobody to get mad at. <laughs> What's that about? You ever in a really good moment? Oh, like, mm, you. there's nowhere to go. If you bit my tongue, we could have a problem. We could exchange words. We could, we could throw hands. But when I bite my tongue, it's just frustrating. And some of us out there, this is what forfeiting our soul looks like, is that we're just doing it to ourselves. We're just giving in over and over again. Some of us out here making real bad deals with the devil. You're gaining the world, but you are forfeiting your soul. You're trading your purpose for paper. You're giving up your calling for a career. And today is the day that you wake up. Don't sell your soul. Don't sell your soul. Don't give up. Don't, don't give in. Don't exchange eternal for temporary things. We live in a day and age right now where, where the culture is a forfeit culture. You just notice we're lazy. Like, we're just... Like... We're lazy, you know? Like, young generation, like, hey, like, you know, like, physically, like, you're just like, nah. you know, there's a world, it's called outside. It's like, the grass, we're locked in. We're lazy with our brain power. We don't we're lazy with our communication. We don't look into each other's eyes. We don't communicate to one another. We don't empathize with each other. We read headlines. We keep people around us that only agree with how we agree. We only talk through our thumbs. We only talk through social platforms. We're forfeiting. We forfeit our language. I mean, there's a whole generation that can't even speak right. It's like LOL, LMBO, JK. I'm like, what language is this? We forfeit our patience. You don't believe me? Just watch anybody stand in front of a microwave. Hurry up, you know? Bro, popcorn takes two minutes forever, okay? Faster! Faster. Just want it faster. But we're forfeiting our potential. We're forfeiting our purpose. I wonder, what is the cost of your will? How much are you willing to sell your values for? How much can your principles be taken away from you? What what cost, what price will you gladly give somebody your principles? Because listen to me loud and clear, this is the whole thesis of today. Our soul isn't taken, it is sold to the highest bidder. We sell our soul, we give up our soul, we exchange our soul, the very essence of who we are. And what I wanna say to you today is simply this, 
is that if you're gonna love Jesus with your entire soul, you can't continue to forfeit it. We can't exchange it. We have to get a bigger vision. Today, our case study, we're picking up right after Mary and her alabaster box. We're right here in Mark 14. And now if you see this transition, it goes right to Judas Iscariot. And Judas Iscariot is not a fun guy to preach about, but here he is in the text and we are awakened to his story. And it's a story that I think applies to you and I today because Judas Iscariot is a man who spent three years in the presence, in proximity with Jesus. Watch Jesus turn water to wine. I mean, how can you betray that guy? Water to wine, I like that guy. What do you got against him, bro? He watched deaf ears open up. He watched blinded eyes come to see sight. He watched Jesus walk on water. He was there in the boat watching Peter walk on water. What happened to Judas? For even Judas, we see that he betrays Jesus for what? For 30 pieces of silver. We don't think money is appropriate to talk about in church. I think money over and over again becomes an object lesson for us to use as a measuring stick and as a gauge, not out of legalism, but it's a good indicator of where my heart and my soul are because Judas spends three years with Jesus and it's 30 pieces of silver that leaves him to selling Jesus out. It's crazy because the way that Judas betrayed Jesus, if you don't know the story, is that he kissed him on the cheek. He kissed the door to heaven, but he forfeited his soul to hell. So close, yet so far away. I use it as an example today, as a case study, because I know today that just because we are in church doesn't mean that we are in Christ. And I haven't come to condemn you. I've come to encourage you. I've come to inspire you. I've come to motivate you. I have come to push you to the person of Jesus. But I just don't want us to miss this today. I don't want us just to come in here and play church and come to be entertained. I want you to know that there is a battle for your soul and you have to wake up today and say, I'm not gonna forfeit. I am going to fight. I'm gonna fight. Put that in the chat. I'm gonna fight today. Because there's people in this room, you need to remember that you are going to die. We'll see you next week, everybody. (laughs) We're all going to die and there is a fight for our soul. And what the enemy wants to tell you over and over again is, I'm not a factor. I don't actually have to steal anything from you because over time, I'll just get you to surrender it all to me. How did Judas Iscariot find himself in this place? How did Judas Iscariot forfeit, surrender his soul. He knew Jesus better than any of us could ever imagine probably knowing Jesus. He went everywhere with him, yet he forfeited his soul. I remember when I was in um, college, um, I would play intramural sports and uh, it was like a big thing when we were like freshmen and sophomore. We took it way too serious. Like, you know, how intense can you be about ultimate Frisbee? Well, trust me, very intense. And uh, we'd put our teams together and one of the most frustrating things that would happen is that you would go to your game, you get all your friends to come and watch, you get your whole team there, and then you'd get to the game. And then when you got to the game, the other team that you were supposed to be playing against, either they don't show up or they show up with not enough people. And what happens, because they don't have enough people or they're not there, it results in a forfeit. And I was thinking this past week about how it's so easy to correlate the fact of forfeiting in sports is probably very similar to us forfeiting our soul. Because how many know, what you show up for determines what you gain and what you forfeit. 
You see, showing up is just half the battle. So congratulations to all of you who are watching church and who are in church. Guess what? You are 50% further right now than you were before you got into this place. Half the battle is just showing up. How many of you know, it's really hard to pass a test if you don't show up for it. Just believe my spirit will take care of it. Doesn't work that way. I have learned that God wants to bless people, but it's very difficult for, ble- for God to bless people when they're never where he wants them to be. I just go through the New Testament. Like there is a common denominator to the miracles and the common denominator on the people's part, aside from faith, sometimes they don't even have faith, is they're actually in the presence of God. I don't know about you, but I want to show up time and time again. I don't want to miss out on what God is doing. I want to be where God is, not asking God to come to where I am. I want to show up in his presence. It's difficult for even God to bless us when we are not even where he wants us to be. If I'm going to love God with all my soul, I got to make sure I'm not forfeiting my soul. Don't sell your soul. When I study the life of Judas, I've never seen this before. When you study the life of Judas, there's only a handful of times in the scriptures that he shows up. We see his name in some places, so we know that he was at these moments, but nothing's ever said about him. There's not commentary. In fact, whenever the 12 are described, it usually always starts with Peter and it always ends with Judas. And even early in the writings, it will always say Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus. How many know it takes an entire life to build a reputation? It takes one stupid decision to ruin that reputation. And everywhere Judas goes, he is known as the betrayer. I mean, you want to look up what it means to give up, to quit, to betray? Judas Iscariot's face shows up in the dictionary. He's somebody who fell short. He's somebody who sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. But what I find fascinating as I study him in the scripture is that all throughout the scriptures, he's always showing up at the wrong places at the wrong time. It's like, to me, he looks like a teammate who's not in position. He looks like a teammate that even when he is there, he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, and it results in a forfeit, meaning I don't believe that Judas sold his soul for 30 pieces of silver. That happened over time. That didn't happen overnight. He was giving in, and he was missing out on his opportunities to gain the right thing and forfeit the wrong thing. Because what I, what I show up for determines what I gain and what I forfeit. Let me just show you three areas of scripture really quick that we see Judas in. And really, you can find him in other parts of the other gospels, but it's the same story typically. Let me just show you three moments really quick and you're gonna see, wow, Judas, buddy, you're always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Let's go to this first one. The first one is in John chapter 12. Because one of the first moments that we have of Judas is what we read. We read Mark 14. That is the segue out of Mary and her alabaster box. And it says, soon as this moment happens where Jesus scolds the people for getting mad at Mary giving this lavish offering, the scripture then says that Judas, he then began to look for an opportunity or a gain to forfeit Jesus, to betray Jesus. Now, when you read Mark 14, how many know, you don't know who the critics are. But in John's gospel, we discover who the critic is. And would you believe it's Judas Iscariot? What? John chapter 12, look at this. This is Mary. She's 
broke open her box. We talked about it last week. She's pouring out her praise. She's lavishing her treasure upon Jesus. And it's not just the crowd that's murmuring. The crowd has a name and the name is Judas. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Watch this. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Hello. How do you ruin your life? One compromise at a time. How do you sell your soul? One little compromise at a time. Here's this woman and she's doing something generous and the generosity of her life, it all of a sudden evokes the greed of Judas's life. And Judas is like, yo, why are we letting her do this? All of this money could have been used for the poor. And it's like, Judas, uh, shut up. You don't care about the poor. You've been stealing from the poor. Many times the things that we're criticizing are the very things that we are guilty of. And what takes place here as money, as the object is money is indicating the heart. We see Mary's heart was which one of generosity, but we also discover Judas's heart, which is one of greed and selfishness. And I want you to see this because what you show up for determines what you gain and what you forfeit. So Judas in this moment, this is his big moment in the Bible. Like this is his big, like we get like, like they recorded his words, like thousands of years later, we're talking about his words. This is his big moment. Here we go. What does he do? He gains an opinion, but he forfeits his perspective. Because what you show up for, you're either gonna gain something, you're gonna forfeit it. And so he gains his voice but he forfeits his perspective of who Jesus actually is, the more important thing. He got something, but he lost something. The next time you see Judas is in Mark chapter 14. Jesus is at the Passover meal and they're having communion together and he's prophesying and telling that he's about to die. And he speaks out, watch this, Mark chapter 14, verse 18. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me. Watch this. They were saddened and one by one, they said to him, surely not I. The other gospel, we see that Judas, he gets up and he leaves this moment. Here's what I've never seen before in this text. Jesus predicts that one will betray him. Notice how all of the disciples, they say, surely not I. Before I, this week, I've always thought that was surely not I, like an exclamation mark. Surely not I, a period but it's neither one of those punctuation marks. The punctuation mark is a question. Because every one of those disciples that were sitting at that table knew that on their journey of following Jesus for three years, just like you and just like me, they have already betrayed Jesus. Come on, if we're being honest, I'm not gonna make you lift your hand. But you online, we have all betrayed Jesus. We've all gone against his will. We've all tried to put our own actions in front of his timeline. We've all betrayed Jesus. And so the disciples, they don't say, surely not I with boldness and confidence. Instead, they say, surely not I as a question saying, not me, right? Not me. Like, I don't want to miss this. Like, I'm here. Not me. Like, like exposing, like, I am the one. Like, like, is it me, Lord? Like, tell me now so I can get forgiveness right here. But not Judas. Judas, he gets up and he runs away. 
Because what you show up for determines what you gain and what you forfeit. And I want to encourage some people that when you make a mistake, when you sin, and when you fall, that is not your moment to flee from God's house. That is not your moment to run from God's presence. That is your moment to stay and say, God, surely not I. Give me another chance. Surely not I. Surely not I. I don't want to miss this moment. See, he gains distance, but he forfeits community. So he got what he wanted, but he didn't know he was losing his soul in the process. Ever find yourself when you're ashamed? Ever find yourself when you make a mistake? Ever find yourself when you know you're outside of God's will? What's your knee-jerk reaction? Let me drift. Let me get away. And so you get your distance. And you, you, you get your space. And you lose your accountability. You lose your friends of faith. But what you forfeit is the community that God has placed around you. I wish I could say to Judas, yo, they all betrayed him. You could have right then and there said, Jesus, what? It's me. It's me. Like, it, yeah, you got me. But he doesn't. He, he, he flees. Don't, don't flee. Don't sell your soul. Don't sell it. This third moment is, is crazy because this is Matthew's gospel. Like, watch what happens. Judas, like, they come and capture Jesus and he feels like the weight of guilt. I don't know if this has ever happened before. Chapter 27, verse three. These are like the three, these are the three stories of Judas. These are the three moments he shows up because where you show up for determines what you gain and determines what you forfeit. And when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, watch this. He was seized with remorse and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's, that's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Watch this. Then he went away and hanged himself. The text has a lot there that we don't have time for but I wanna say it this way to our church. I know it's a tough message for some people, some of you online right now, but I just think there's, there's, a, there's a fight going on. You are in the battle of your life for your soul. And feeling guilty and feeling remorse is not repentance. Acknowledging that you've sinned is not repentance. I can say sorry to you. I can say sorry to my spouse. I can say sorry to myself. I've, I've sinned. The big question is, have you acknowledged that you've sinned against God? Because it wasn't that he just sinned, it was that he had sinned against God himself. And it's not enough to feel remorse and it's not enough to come to church and feel bad about ourselves. What must take place is we must understand that that remorse is the conviction of the spirit who's here to spare and save and redeem our soul. But we must repent and say, I haven't just sinned, I've sinned against you, God. I don't just need to say sorry to my boyfriend. I don't just need to say sorry to my spouse. And I don't just need to say sorry to my boss. I don't just need to say sorry to my friends. I need to say sorry to God. I've got to take responsibility for my sin and I must repent in turn. What does Judas do? He, he feels the guilt. And rather than let the guilt turn him towards the one who can save him, he lets the guilt turn him to the thing that can bring him relief the fastest. 
And so he hangs himself. So he gains temporary relief, but he forfeits eternal life. Don't sell your soul. Don't, don't exchange what God's called you to do for temporary satisfaction. I'm telling you, what you show up for in life, all of life determines what you gain and what you forfeit. And it matters what you gain and it matters what you forfeit. Because I just want to remind you today, the wrong gain is actually a loss. You can gain it all. Life might be looking real good today. Money where you want it to be. Boyfriend where you want it to be. Girlfriend where you want it to be. Marriage where you want it to be. But I am telling you today, this is not me trying to come at you. This is Jesus' words that are on the money. You can gain all that stuff, but if you have not surrendered over to him, I'm telling you what, it's a loss. It will not satisfy you. It won't bring you peace. It won't bring you the joy you're looking for because the wrong gain is actually a loss. And some of us today, we look like we're gaining, but we're actually losing. It's a wake-up call. You look like you're gaining, but you're losing. What's the condition of your soul? Jesus says, you want to love me? You want to know what I want? I want your love. I want the real you, your entire being, the thing that will live on after this earth fades away. I want the real you. I want the real you. The wrong gain is actually a loss. And in the same breath, Oh, I feel this in my spirit today. The right forfeit is actually a win. Right forfeit is actually a win because what you show up for determines what you gain and what you forfeit. You can do this in every area of your life. You will recognize this, that I'm showing up for something. It means I'm gaining something, I'm forfeiting something. I'm showing up over here, I'm gaining something, I'm forfeiting something. This morning I got up and I went to the gym at 6 a.m. How many know I forfeited sleep, but I, but I gained strength? And I wanna remind some people out there that are following Jesus that the right forfeit is actually a win. You are in the battle of your soul. And there are some games that you should not show up for any longer. Some of you ought to walk out of this room today and say, I know it's halftime in my gossip life, but I'm ready to forfeit. I'm not playing gossip anymore. I don't have to have an opinion. I don't want an opinion. I'm done with it. I'm forfeiting insecurity once and for all. I'm done with it. I'm not carrying that anymore. I am reminding myself that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I don't walk in my own strength. I walk in his strength. Forfeiting shame. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I forfeit. I forfeit. I know, I know, like I've been in for three quarters on this whole thing called self-sabotage. I know I'm in the fourth quarter of my secret sin, but I'm forfeiting today. You know, I'm forfeiting. I know it's been 14 months of a pandemic, but I am done playing church after today. Jesus did not die that I could play church and sing some songs and wear my nice outfit and be seen and put it on the gram. No, I forfeit that today I am gaining the revelation that I am the church, that everywhere I go, I take his presence with me. I'm gonna be that thing. That's who I am.
That's my identity, that I am the body of Christ. See, the wrong games are just games. We're not called to play a game. We are in a battle. And when you're struggling, can I just tell you that struggling is an indication that you are being discipled and that you are being developed. It's when we stop struggling. It's when we stop fighting. It's when we just say, you know, give me the relief. But it's where we forfeit the thing that matters the most. What does it profit a man? Gain the whole world, but forfeit his soul. I think about Judas, I've been thinking about him since Passover because he's like vilified in the church and he's like vilified in our minds. And he's like, oh, like Judas, he's like, he's like a mythical, like, like, like character from the Bible. No, he's a real guy, like a real dude. And according to my Bible, God's grace is big enough for any sin. But Judas, he gets tired and he forfeits, he surrenders. No one takes something from him. He sells, he sells his soul. He sells his soul on a Friday night. And I just wonder, I've said it before, I just wonder what would have happened if he would have hung on just two more days. What would have happened if he just would have waited around and not gave in and not quit and not back down and just said, I'm gonna show up for the right thing. I, I know it's Saturday and it's silent and I know that he's dead and it's my fault. I know that I betrayed him. But man, I heard a lot of preaching back in the day and he had told me some things that he was gonna come back and I, I actually believe that he wasn't just some good teacher and I actually believe that he wasn't just here to lead a rebellion. I actually believe that he is who he said he is. I'm gonna keep on waiting. I'm gonna keep on hanging out. I'm gonna keep on believing because I think it's just a matter of time before he shows back up again. What would have happened if he waited till Sunday? What would happen if you would wait? What would happen if you wouldn't quit today? What would happen if you gave your marriage another month? What would happen if you said, I'm not quitting this week? What would happen if you said, I'm gonna give that dream another try? Because what Jesus, what Judas sold, Jesus bought back. And that's what we rally around today. That's the good news we came in here for today. And every bit of my soul that I sold to the highest bidder, 2,000 years ago when Jesus went to that cruel cross, he was buying me back. He was purchasing me back. He was saying, Rich, you sold your soul, but I came to buy your soul. And if you'll just put your trust in me, if you'll just put your faith in me, I am the God who wants to give back to you that which the enemy has stolen from your life. That which Judas sold, Jesus bought back. That's why Paul says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This body is decaying, but this soul will live on 
And today, right here in the month of May on Pentecost Sunday, I am reminded that the Holy Spirit came and he dwells inside of me. And so God, today, I say I want to gain the right things and I want to forfeit the wrong things. Some of you this week, it's just time to forfeit. It's time to give up. And as you give up the wrong thing, I'm telling you what, the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, I've got something in store for you. Wait on me. Do you believe that today? Come on, can you put your hands together all over this room, right there online? Don't sell your soul. As you stand to your feet, we're going to take a moment. I want to pray for you today because I just sense there's people all over this room, even online right now, that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. What you show up for determines what you gain. It determines what you forfeit. Some of us are gaining the wrong thing and we're forfeiting the right thing. God, I just want to give you what you want. He wants your love. But he wants all your heart. And he wants all your soul. And I'll never love him with my soul if I continue to forfeit my soul. If you're here today and and you're struggling, if you're here today and you feel like you've been giving up in the fight for your soul, I want you to be bold. I just want you to lift both your hands where you are. I want to pray for you. I want to believe God as we sing this song one more time that, that you're going to be ministered to today. That today is a, is a day that you make a decision. I'm going to fight for this soul of mine. This is, this is the essence of who I am. I'm not going to forfeit. I'm not going to give in. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to wait. Because that which I've sold, Jesus has already bought back. And so I put my trust, I put my faith into a good God. He's not good because of what he does. He's good because of who he is. If that's you. I'm fighting. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Just be honest. I'm not playing church. I'm going to be the church. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. God, I I pray right now for every hand that's lifted, Lord. God, I pray right now that you'd begin to meet them where they are. I pray that you'd begin to encourage them right where they are today. That today, Lord, would be a day of decision. Today would be a day that they make a decision to say, God, I'm putting you first, God. I'm making you first in my life, God. I'm making you my priority. I'm leaning into your presence. God, I'm not leaving. I've made mistakes. I've sinned. I've betrayed you at times, but God, I'm not fleeing from your presence. I'm staying right here at the table and before you have to expose it I admit it God I need your grace God I need your mercy I believe in the blood of Jesus Christ I believe in the power of the cross and today Lord I don't want to lose at what matters most God I want to preserve my soul and I want to love you with my entire soul come on with every hand lifted come on let's just sing this song out come on there's hope come on when I'm hopeless come on can we just speak that out in faith come on can we just sing that out in faith Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from Vu and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.